strategy, design, marketing, UX, digital, development. This is Agencies That Build. This show is dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Jesse, and I'm a marketer and an agency owner. And I'm Varun. I'm not a marketer, but a coder and an agency partner. This show is sponsored by Together We Ship. On a mission to help agencies grow. All right, rock on. Here we are, Varun, my friend. How are you? What's new? What's um, up? Good. I'm fresh. Just came back from my two weeks trip uh, to India. So I'm super pumped, super excited. What came out of that and just regrouping with everybody. I met many of the people that are for the first time in last two years that we hired. So it was awesome to have the retreat and new strategy and vision for the company. Nice. So, That's a good intro for who we have today, actually, too. It's a relevant uh, world view of how we uh, approach things. So, And you brought the warm yeah. weather because, of course, I have to mention the weather. In the of course. How can we not talk about the weather? <laughs> so, okay, ready for today's guest? So she is a professional question asker as a marketing mate at Marvel, getting the answers to solve their clients' needs. Being a marketer for more than 15 years, she started her own company in 2014, a brand strategy and marketing performance agency, making names shine through just words. She is a nine to five dismantler, which I love, empowering a four day work week. Um, her strategic vision has led to the development of numerous groundbreaking products and services, and her commitment to excellence has helped Backroom become a leader in its field. Please welcome our the CEO of Backroom, Kara Redman. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> and we also, you also call yourself a humanist, which I didn't have in the title, but we're, I'm going to ask you about that later because we, we want to know like what that means and a little definition there. So. Let's start off with our myth-busting question. What is some sort of myth, bogus strategy, uh, something, misconception, something you want to set the record straight on? What do you got? I feel like most of the things we're told are a total sham, but uh, one of my favorites and I think is really relevant the more we're like dealing with our political climate is this idea of a self-made man. And I hear all the time, like people like I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I did all this myself. I'm like, no, you didn't. Somebody, somebody gave you a chance, right? Somebody gave you that first opportunity. Somebody shared your name. Somebody gave you advice. Like you're not doing everything yourself. And I think that there's that hustle culture. I did it all. And nobody gave me a hand when someone else then starts their own company or starts on that path and they need all this help, they feel like a failure because the people before them weren't transparent about that. So if you're out there and you're trying to do something and you feel like you need a lot of help and have a lot of questions, like everyone else did too. <laughs> so wasn't there a big controversy? This is my pop culture moment. And I'm going to absolutely qualify this by saying I may misquote myself, but like, wasn't Kylie Jenner on the cover of Forbes talking about being self-made somehow? And it was like to that. Yeah. It, it, for those of you listening, Kara's making this face like, oh my God, ridiculous. Um, but that's always drive like to your point, like the drives me bananas. Like you learned your stuff from someplace. hundred <laughs> percent. Somebody opened a door for you, right? Like we can vote right now as women because someone else helped us out a couple of generations ago, right? Like nobody does things in a vacuum. So that's very frustrating to me. Not 
just because of the massive eye roll it gives me when I see people trying to take all of the credit for their successes. Um, but because it, I think it brings so much shame and sense of imposter and failure for those people who are actually acknowledging the fact that they need someone to support them. It's like, uh, we all suffer. There was an article I was reading. I was, you know, doom scrolling late night last night. And there was an article that says, you know, everybody suffers from imposter syndrome. And I think that's absolutely true because you, you know, in marketing, you fake it till you make it and technology. It's a little different because if you fake it, things don't work, but, um, you have to learn it from someplace. Was there, you know, in your, I'm throwing a curveball question that we didn't prep for, for at you. Was there somebody in your past that you're like, oh, this is someone who taught me like a mentor or somebody is there that you influenced kind of your journey that's noteworthy? For sure. And I think that there's different kinds of help too. And I think we tend to point to the mentors who are like the really obvious ones. Like my biggest one was, her name was Lee George. She's a PhD in branding. She's still doing it. Like not, not just from a skill set and teaching me how brand applies to the work that we do, but how to exist as a female in a very male-dominated industry um, from things like very openly telling our vice president that he couldn't have like cheerleaders calendars on his wall at work. Like somebody actually vocalizing those things where the rest of us just kind of hit, right? But help comes... And mentorship is accidental, I think, for the most part. And I think that a lot of people miss it. I think that getting criticism is difficult. I think our, you know, our lizard brains turn on and get really defensive when we hear things that are contrary to our own narrative about ourselves and our work. But if you can put that aside, like mentors are just in everybody who's willing to look, give feedback, teach you something. You know, I had, I'll occasionally take an in-person coffee day. I had one recently with someone that I just... Didn't think I'll ever spend time with again, but I still learned three things sitting across from this person, right? So I think if you're open to always learning and being curious and growing over being right or being admired, then the world is your mentor, right? You're just constantly being reshaped by feedback that you're getting from from things around you. That's a good nugget. Like what's two things you can take away from any sort of interaction with somebody or at least minimum one thing, you know, just sound bite right there. (laughs) And it might not be what you expected, right? I mean, like I was able to get a couple of pieces of feedback on some Spanish that I was messing up and like, that's not what our meeting was even about. So like, if you're really open to what does the world have to offer today versus this is the specific thing I want to get out of this person, you're, I think your whole view opens up. You're able to get a lot more out of each interaction. I'm curious to know more from you about like this whole idea of, you know, uh, imposter syndrome and the learnings from the mentors. How do you implement these learnings in the, in the way you are building your agency with your team, with your colleagues, with your, you know, people around you? Is there anything that you can share, which allows our listeners to help and learn from, from the experiences that you have had. Yeah. Are you asking how I like distill that information and share it with my team or specific nuggets? Yeah. I mean, um, the specific nuggets would be great. Yeah. I have a lot of specific nuggets. Um, you know, the, the big one is really the curiosity piece that's built into our values, right? I've talked about that a bunch so far, but 
How do we, we're, you know, we're in client services, right? So you, we clients do ridiculous things, but for, for us, we always have to stop and go like, where are they coming from? And it's always an emotion state, right? Why is this client being so needy, for example, and reaching out all the time? Like we've already told them that. So we've already showed them where the documents are stored. Like we have a kickoff schedule The we call it the, why can't you just, right? Like when you have your own view of stuff and people aren't getting it, you're like, it's so easy. It's right there. And he told you eight times, why can't you just? And your brains just aren't on that same track with you. They're not aligned yet, right? So for us, it's like, all right, let's stop. And as high performers, like a lot of times we have to get away from the, why can't you just go, where is that person right now? All right, they have 85 things going on. Their kids have been sick or whatever's happened, you know, in their life. Work is more hectic than theirs. This is the feeling that they're having. They're trusting us with something. They, we haven't proven ourselves yet because we've only worked together for a month. They're nervous. They've been burned by another agency, da, 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 X, Y, Z, right? All of these things are happening. And when we can look at that emotion state, that's a huge learning for us is stop to get away from, like, it doesn't matter if it's in a spreadsheet. It doesn't matter if you have a really well done project management board. Feelings are feelings. We're irrational, messy beings, right? Where is that? How can we comfort that feeling? What's the need behind that? If you can stop and reflect on that, figure that out on the person that you're trying to work with, everything gets easier, everything. So that's a really big one for us. Is that, I'm going to make a leap here and you can say I'm totally wrong, but is it the, I, you know, when you describe yourself as a humanist, because what you're describing is actually thinking like a human to human relationship there, is that how, how do you you know, I think we forget sometimes and get so wrapped up in the world of business and focus on the deliverable and how do we get to the end point as quickly and as correctly as possible. You know, how do you define humanist? And I'm making an assumption it has to fit into a little bit of what you just described, but I'll let you answer the question. Yeah, I think it's, I think being a humanist and especially in my line of work, it goes even to how we view like corporate brands versus personal brands. Um, people are inconsistent and messy and we have emotions that most of us, like we're never even taught to identify, let alone process and like regulate. Um, I find myself being very irrational when like my allergies are bad or I didn't get enough sleep. Right. And I'm like, why am I so snippy to my partner right now? There's no need for it. He's being kind and wonderful. And I'm in this, but like, we're just complex, right? There's so much that we don't understand about our brains and our behavior. I think our society has put us into these boxes that don't necessarily like feed to our strengths. And so I think it's really important. And I think just the capitalist in me, like you get more out of people when you meet them where they are on an emotional level versus trying to force somebody to produce from fears, scare tactics, intimidation, hierarchies. Um, I think it creates a little bit more mental work. I think you have to be self-aware on your own to be able to stop and like be a basket for somebody's feelings and help them kind of work through wherever they are to get to a result. But if you're results oriented and not just push, push, push and burn someone out until you can bring the next one in, it's just a different, it's a different mindset and it's a more rewarding one. I like in my twenties, I had like, my life was hectic, right? I was a very young mom, like I'm a single mom and working all of the time, trying to build my career, like super broke. So my life was just madness and just total chaos. And I just remember getting to a meeting or an appointment one day and I got there on time and I didn't think I would. 
but I still didn't feel good. And I was like, why do I feel so shitty about this? I'm here. I made it. Like I got my pants on. Everything's okay. Like from what anyone else could see, everything was fine. But I like plowed over small children and puppies to get there. You know, I was just like a manic on the road and like in a horrible mood. And I was like all worked up, right? Because you're just, you're late. You're trying to get it all done. And none of it felt good. And I just reflected on that, that it's, there's so much, it sounds cliche, but like the way you get somewhere, the way you get to an outcome is often more important than the outcome. And if I'm able to build my business or if I'm able to get an outcome for my client, but then everyone, I look behind, everyone feels like shit and they're burned out and they don't want to do it again. If they're not energized by it, why are we doing it? There's a lot of other ways to make money. Why? Like, so I just, I try to apply that to the things in my life and particularly the people that work with me and on both clients and employees. Like, how can we make this enjoyable? Because life isn't about like happiness and joy and, and all of that good stuff is not about like some point you reach. It's it's like life's happening today. So it's like, how are you, how are you doing it today? And not like just hoping for some mythical day to come where like, you know, happiness like is finally achieved. It's just not how it works. It's the decisions you make every day. And if you're not treating humans as humans and really learning and growing and being in that community, right? No self-made man. Um, to me, that's what it's all about. So you said a lot of things that I think both Rune and I are nodding the entire time as you're you're chatting. So we there's definitely nuggets of that that or a lot of it that relates to us. I think one of the things that I wanted to to ask you about and chat through with your agency in particular is you can see a lot of that in terms of how you've built your you know back room and how you guys structure work within back room. You know, one of the things that you you've eliminated the the five day work week, which I know is a big thing they've been trying in in Europe in particular and other global companies that I've worked with and for. So can you, you know, and you also said something interesting when we chatted initially is like you guys are fully remote, like you don't you're and you're global. And Varun actually said it a minute ago, too. He's like, oh, I get to meet some of my team members who I've never met before. Um, and so can you talk to how you guys work within that four day work week? Like, how do you set boundaries? You know, and again, our, our audience is they're learning and we've learned, we're learning, like, how do you make that work? Like, it's just a different, it's just hard. And, and um, we've, and I'd be curious to hear, yeah, boundaries is I'm just rambling now. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm glad you said boundaries though, because that's the name of the game. It's boundaries. It's like super meticulous attention to detail, being organized, knowing what you need to accomplish. I think I can't speak to how others work. I can only speak to how we work, right? Because I have not worked in another organization in almost a decade. But if you know what you need to accomplish and you don't get off on just like being at work for the sake of being at work, you build a plan to get your job done. And then that's all you do. So I think that there's this mentality of like you show up and within this sort of like nucleus of a work day, you're just there and you're doing whatever floats your way and you react to it. But if you know, for example, like, all right, in between like dropping off my kid and having to go to the dentist, I have an hour to clean my house. You get your house clean in that hour, right? Like you get like you prioritize like what are the most important things that have to get done and you get them done and then you move on and you go to the dentist. And Work historically has been the only area that we don't do that. When we go home, we're like, all right, I got a list. I got to get groceries. I got to get laundry. I got to like make sure I spend time with my partner. I got to go for a run, right? You prioritize it. You do the most you can. But at work, it's just this sort of like free flow and you're you're there. You got to be there at a time's bookended by time. And there's not that same prioritization. And so for us, we treat 
work very much the way that we treat the rest of our lives. It's not a block off of our time. We have certain things that we have to accomplish within a week. And we're in client services, right? So I can ask my account manager right now, like, hey, when is our next available for a project kickoff? And she'll go bleep, bleep, bleep on the computer and she'll tell me the date because she knows when everybody's working and what their bandwidth is. And we schedule our projects around our time. We don't have, and I think, I really do think it's like a, it's a, an abundance mindset or a fear mindset. Like I'm okay knowing that maybe we're not going to start our next project until June 1st is okay. Like we don't have to rush and do it now. And I think that a lot of, a lot of owners and leaders are afraid that like there's this momentum and there's a, like, if it doesn't happen now, there's like a, there's like a self-imposed urgency. And I'm like, what are you going to hurry for? Like, we just set appropriate expectations, manage those expectations, follow through and show up and do the work. You don't have to cram everything in. And so we just don't have this scarcity mindset that it has to all happen now. Um, would it mean a lot more revenue in a shorter period of time? Sure. But again, we'd be running over small children and puppies to get it done. And that's not fun for anybody. The work suffers, the people suffer. So we don't want to, we, we've grown at a steady pace, about 20% every year. And it's a feel good, like a little bit scary, a little bit comfortable rate for us. So we just work, we build our work life around our needs, not what we are told it should be. So th- this is awesome to hear you are successfully being able to do that. But along the way, I wonder, and I'm curious to know, um, how do you, so a few questions that come out of that, like um, four day work week sounds so so good to be true because I mean, yes, it is. Um, many people are talking about it these days and people do see the need, but implementing and executing this is like, right now far beyond my expectations at least for in our case it's it's difficult it's hard because you are um you know you 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 have not you don't only have to explain to your teams but also to your customers and the type of work you do so my question on that is how do you take on um new clients and type of work does that matter does that change anything for you on the type of work that you do when you communicate to the clients that we do only four day like we are only on four day work a week right so do you turn down certain type of work do you just i mean setting up the right expectations is is one thing that you brought up like that is something that has to be done but even after setting those expectations, I'm sure, or maybe not, that clients may not uh, like that idea. So do you just turn them down? Um, yeah, they might you, not. Yeah. I think it's more they turn us down, right? Like we don't, if, if, if you're not, and it's kind of the way that I am as a human and all of us are, right? Like if you're not into this, I might not be for you. <laughs> so right. this is how we work. Um, clients hire us for our outcomes. They hire us because we are unconventional. They hire us because the traditional agency model has not served them. So we find that we, it's never been a problem um, for us. It's never been an issue that's come up every now and then a client's like, man, it'd be really just nice if you could do a Friday. And we're like, we're not going to like, we're, we're the same way that you wouldn't do it on a Saturday. Right. Unless there's something really extenuating that can't like we're like, we're a marketing man. Like nothing's, nothing's that important, you know, like it, can, it can wait. And and I think going back to what I said earlier about the meticulous organization, we plan for everything. Like I was, before I got on this, I was on with my account manager 
and uh, my operations team just looking through like the project management boards we have right now and just the meticulous detail that goes into creating visibility and planning for all these contingencies so that there is margin. So we, we've been doing this for a long time. We know the things that typically can go wrong, right? It's difficult to schedule client interviews, for example, because people are people and they reschedule. So we always pad it a week, right? Like if you ever work with developers, you pad it, right? Like we, we build in space for ourselves, for our clients to be messy. We build in space to change your mind. We build in space to need a couple more days to think about something, right? But we are able to layer that in a way that doesn't, create pauses in the work, right? So it's just for us, it's more of a mastery in the type of work we do and where there's wiggle room and where there's non-negotiables. It doesn't work for everybody, right? There's a lot of companies I've seen doing four days, but they're like shifts, right? Like you work Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and you work Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or whatever it is, like they're able to do it that way. Um, I think, you know, I, I get people that come at me on LinkedIn about, you know, how this can't work and it can't scale. I'm like, hey, I'm no evangelist for any one way of working, which is another myth, right? Like, I'm just sharing what we do. This is this happens to be what we do. If there's something in there that you want to do too, cool. We're learning out loud. We don't have everything figured out. I just think that as a society, we learn when we speak about the things that we're trying and doing and what works and what doesn't. And when we have secrets about it, we hold ourselves back. <laughs> so um, I think it is difficult I, from my experience, just strictly in my industry, it's just a lack of uh, pre-planning and organization, which is why people have to be always on. Um, if you don't think things through, if you have people who are scoping projects that are just trying to get to the sale and aren't thinking beyond that about are they setting things up for success? expectations aren't met. It's a mismanagement of the project. Like all of these horrible things come in that are now the project manager's problem that the salesperson didn't think they're like, those are the reasons why you need to be always on in most agencies because somebody messed up and they messed up consistently and they keep getting rewarded for messing up because they're bringing money into the company. So if you really do work as a team, like we have standardized language um, that we put together this year because we're like, we're recreating stuff all the time. What if light bulb, our standard language and our SOWs was exactly the same as like the slides and our presentation deck. And they all just matched. And we didn't have to like reinvent this every single time we do the same thing, right? It's little things like that, that you get really meticulously organized about standardizing stuff and thinking through that ahead of time. It's easy. And I, I don't think a lot of companies do that. What's well, expensive up front, you know, the time mm-hmm. involved in doing that and being meticulous and being organized with it. It's, you know, it's not necessarily money expensive, it's time expensive, but the payoff is what, what you're describing is like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sitting here chuckling. I, I ran a PNL at a company for quite a while and it was this one, there were a couple of sales guys were like, yeah, I sold the thing. I'm, I literally called it the thing. I was like, I don't know what you just sold, but I have to build it for you, deliver it to a client and work through customer success with you. Like, come on, man. And they get the bonus and the commission off of it where Mm -hmm. we've done all the hard work to like understand, like, what did you sell? (laughs) Like, what is this thing? Um, So, and it was like a running joke. I was like, don't you dare sell another thing. Like, uh -uh, I'm not delivering it. And you get to have that conversation with the client. So But I want to on the hook for upselling too, right? What if it wasn't just getting them in? What if they had to be on the hook for satisfaction at certain points and getting them to the next project? Wouldn't things totally. change? Totally. Yeah, there's a, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to go back to something because you we today's actually Vern and I had a couple conversations with somebody else this morning about tools and like what specifically around PM tools and the tools that you're using to keep the organization. It was with a, a prep call with another guest and we were she was moving her agency from one tool to another tool and we we're like, oh, how do you like that one? And we kind of had a little sidebar discussion around tools and PM systems that we use and we didn't use and why we like them and all this fun stuff. So I'm curious to hear with your meticulous organization, what are you guys using? Can you divulge the tools in your suite? Will you share that secret sauce? I love talking about tools because I think that people don't a lot. And I'm always curious, like, I want to see what other creative directors put in their creative briefs, for example. I'm like, why don't we share this information? Uh, We are currently um, using Asana for all of our project management. Historically, we used Monday and we switched to Asana and we really like it. Um, I've played with Airtable a bunch and really like that as well. But the key to using something like Asana really well to its full potential is everything has to be in it. Like you can't like kind of put a project plan in. I mean, you've got to go in and if you've got to do, let's say we're doing client interviews You've got to put in a task to ask the client to choose people for it. You've got to have someone else put together a Calendly link so that they can book it. You've got to put together language for the client to send out, like, here's the invite, we're working with an agency, da, 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 da. There's so many steps that go into each individual thing. So it's like, you really do have to create those dependencies, assign things, put due dates. Like, we're really into SMART goals. So it's like, it has to, like, every task has to start with a verb, right? You have to link to any appropriate materials in it. Like, we use the hell out of these tools. We do a lot of integration. So for me personally, I don't find it noisy to have the Slack integration. So I get whenever somebody adds a task or a comment, it pops into an Asana DM for me, and I can reply right in Slack. So I'm not checking multiple things. So we use those and we just have a, you know, our rule is all documents are stored in Drive. You can link to them in Asana. We do all of our collaborative work in either Mural or Figma. Um, and we're, we actually just launched a TikTok last month, TikTok account. So we're actually showing off, like, here are the tools that we use. Here are our favorite books. Like, here, like, this is what we do all day and what it looks like, because I just don't think people share how they use stuff. I love that every task starts with a verb like that right there is a wonderful nugget because it creates rather than like, like, you know, it's rather than, and and I'm like thinking of examples. I'm like, I can't, cause I already think that way. It's like make PDF or, you know, email client, like that's, it's an action oriented thing. That's a smart way to do it. Um, well, our, our yeah. rule is like, you should be able to wake up hungover and distracted and open a task and not have to think about it. Like it's all there. Yeah. Cutting out the well, work's the hard part. It's the hit by, I call it the hit by the bus scenario. If somebody on the team gets hit by a bus or wins the lottery is what I've been told to change it to. Like, can the rest of the team pick up and go? Because then you're still providing the level of service to the client and able to achieve things in the time allotted for it. So what I have learned over time, like 20 years, I think I must have used more than I don't know, 100 tools or many things. One thing that has stayed common with me that has helped with the success of any tool is your own discipline of using the tool the right way. I mean, I think the tool has its place, but more importantly, it is how you are disciplined to continuously use it the right way. You know, their process drives more than anything else. So these days, I don't care about the tools personally. Like, you know, give me any tool as long as we are following the process that we have set us up for. So Correct. that's my, you know, take on the tools. 
Um, yes. And I don't know how tactical you want to get, but I, I'm looking at my calendar every morning. I've got check us on at nine, 99.15 is on there. I have a focus time to put together LinkedIn posts, like focus time and like actually building into your routine. Cause there's such a great point. It's like, it's one thing to have them and it's another to use them, especially across the team. So for us, it's like, we, I will start with what is the list of every single thing I do in a week, right? And which of those things are daily? Which of them need to be habits that don't really have outcomes, but you need to do them? Like I need to go and update my CRM with any conversations they've had with prospects, right? Like all of these things that you do that just kind of swim in your head, we put them on our calendars and you block time off for it and you don't have to think about it. Like, Oh, my kid was in the military. I remember they came home. I was like, this is great because all I did is show up. I don't have to make a single decision. Like I know where I like literally just have to show up for stuff. And if you can build that sort of like military mentality into your day, even if you're just like, I like, I walk a lot. I live right next to a beautiful park. I have a dog, especially this time of year. Like I'm walking a lot. I build it into my day. It's on my calendar. So you're not like, so when you look at your day, if your priorities aren't in there, then something's wrong and you go and you rework it. Right. And you're human and you're messy. Remember? So you can go and you can be flexible with yourself. Uh, so yeah, checking Asana is in my calendar every day because my problem was my gorgeous team is using this tool and I'm like, not even looking at it. (laughs) So I was like, I have to fix that. Right. Right. Cool. So So I want to, you go. See this, we didn't slack each other before. This is where we interrupt each other. I was going to say, I was going to pivot to a different question. Um, unless you have another follow-up Varun, before I, okay. I was going to go, I know when we chatted, um, a while ago for our prep, we, we asked you a little bit about employee retention. Like how do you keep the, your team engaged and inspired? And you had a couple of really good, I want to dive into that. Like, what do you guys do? How do you do that? Would love to hear and share. Cause that's, I, I think. 90% 90% of the conversations that we've had with agency owners, something that we talk about, you know, it comes up, especially right now, like how to keep people happy, you know, outside of some of the stuff we've already discussed, what other, what other tidbits do you have in there? I think re- employee retention should never be a goal because to me, it implies a mentality of ownership. Um, it implies a mentality of needing control over other people. And I think that if you're really organized, you have clear business goals, you know what purpose a specific role serves, and you are able to have that hit by a bus mentality where, of course, you can't just like take one person out, put another one in, and it's seamless. There's always work, right? It's just like with clients, it's more expensive to bring in new people than it is to retain the ones that you have. However, it's very expensive to retain somebody that's not happy or performing. Um, So... I don't view it as employee retention. I will say that the people who are here have been here for the majority of the business. Uh, but I, th- I think that they stay because they have, uh, it's very democratic, right? Like I, I take feedback from them in terms of like what clients do we want more of? What don't we want? Um, when they have needs, this is like mind blowing to some people when they have needs to help them do their jobs better. I help provide that for them, right? Which is like, we're like really novel, uh, unfortunately in our industry, like if they need a new tool or whatever it is, like we work to do that. We collaborate on job descriptions. Like when we expanded our team last year, of course, some folks had to level up. 
we had a shared Google doc and we shared comments back and forth for an entire quarter to refine somebody's job descriptions to make sure it was something that she wanted to level up to that still served the business. Uh, it's to me, it's stuff that's just common sense. Like we do monthly one-on-ones I do with the entire team. And it's not like, you know, my partner has one, he works for a big fortune 50 company and he does it. And they just talk about their day and like their girlfriends and stuff. I'm like, is there like, is there any work related stuff? Are you talking about your goals? Is he helping you? Like there's none of that. Right. It's just this facade to say they did it. Ours are very structured where, you know, we have notes from the time before. What were you, what were you happy with? What were you not happy with? What do you hope to accomplish? We use the EOS system. So we have rocks. Everybody has specific actionable, measurable things that are time bound, right? That they need to do. They're propelling the business forward and helping them in their role. Uh, every Monday we come together and we do a good, bad, and an ugly, and it's personal and it's professional. If there's something really shitty going on in your life, like my art director's house lit on fire, like we talk about it, <laughs> like his actual fireplace, like went up in flames, brand new house. So it's like, we're, we're very aware of what's on each other's plates outside of just workload. Like I know when someone's kids are sick, like we know when someone else is having a hard time, we know when somebody's going on vacation, right? Like we we're very tapped into just what's going on in each other's worlds because there's a trust there. Um, and when you have that sense of like, I know that you're just kind of feeling icky this week. Is there anything I can take off of your plate? There's that feeling of I'm not alone. I don't have to like go and hide my little acorns over here and produce something and have anxiety because I don't know if anyone's going to like it, right? Because we're all in it together. So we have that mentality. And if somebody wants to leave, I want to help them find the next thing. I'm not kicking rocks because they've left. And it just doesn't occur to me to feel the need to keep people. And I don't understand. I just don't understand that mentality of employee retention outside of pure numbers. I think that's a great way to think about it. I mean, you, when you are explaining it, you are doing all the things right that can help or that can make sure the employee satisfaction is high. But at the same time, you are not forcing anybody to stay. They are here because they want to be here. And that's how it should be. I think you, 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 you said yourself, like you, you, are, you cannot be the boss of the people um, or, you know, in, in, in those lines, but, um, but you can give them the platform and atmosphere and environment where they can succeed and grow. And if they are here, they're here because they want to be here. So employee, employee retention should not be a metric. I think the way you explain it, it, it does make a lot of sense. Um, I want to switch gears from employees to the customers. Um, so one thing that I, I'm always curious to, to learn from, from the guest is what's one thing that um, your clients do that drives you bananas, that, that makes you feel crazy? Like, you know, what's that one thing that you wish that client must have, hasn't had done that before? I mean, every agency owner is going to say paying invoices late, right? Like, that's one thing, right? Like, why is this hard? I know that you're not paying your mortgage late. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think I, this is going to sound cheesy. We've been talking about this a lot lately. Like we've somehow unlocked our dream client list. And I think like we find things to get annoyed about, but then we remind ourselves of where we worked before and how awful it was. And like, I'm talking like clients yelling at you, like full abuse, right? Just horrible stuff that you just had to tolerate. And now it's stuff like, all right, well, you took a week 
to sign off on the addendum for the new work we're doing, but now suddenly like are in a hurry to get kickoff scheduled. Like it's stuff like that that is just it doesn't it doesn't really matter, and we we work it out. Um, but I I think like prob- my team would probably say that the biggest thing is not always letting us have like the full creative scope that we wish that we could have. Like, I think we have more fun sometimes putting together portfolio items because we're able to go and like create things for a portfolio shake showcase that maybe like our clients didn't want to do for the actual brand. Um, but I don't know, we have, we have really on fire clients, at least right now, um, that are very passionate and that are very hands-on and that are creating content with us and, uh, really building the brand together. So I'll say a big annoyance is we we had a client over the pandemic that was a pretty large, complete rebrand, rename that just ghosted us in the middle of the project. But like they kept paying their bills for months, but would never reply to our emails or our phone calls. It was bizarre. And we were like, kind of not mad because their bills were paid, but also like we would like to finish this work for you. I've never seen anything like it in my in my entire career. So you're like, there's just people are people. There's weird stuff. Did they come back? No, to this day, I've never heard from him. <laughs> but and they keep a, paying their bills. He well, it was a it was a pro, a single project. It was just oh, like a single oh. they even ended up paying in full. Um, but over the course, I would say of eight Sweet. weeks, continuing to pay and never. And it was one of those like they had to change their name because it was a shift in partnerships. And like to this day, the name is still a saint. Like I have no idea what happened. No, clue. no, that's a dream client. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been a great chat. Let me end this with one question. What is exciting you about the future? So much right now. We have so many cool new clients that we got just in the past quarter. Uh, we're expanding our team. I'm like, this is cheesy because I'm in my forties, but I'm a little excited about our TikTok that we've launched for a back room. Uh, we do it for our clients all the time. So we just have like some fresh faces in the agency. We have fresh clients. We have new types of work that we're able to do. So uh, we, I think a lot of agencies, including us had a really tough past six months. The Q4 last year leading into Q1 of this year were really, really hard with just economic uncertainty. Um, and it's turned around really quickly. So for, for us, we're just really re-energized and excited to see what happens next. And just on a tactical level, we're really excited to see how AI continues to influence the work that we're doing. Like, for example, we're using AI for like creative concepting right now, rather than doing like bespoke creative campaigns and then, you know, creating based on what the clients sign off on. So, um, you know, we're really excited just to have more tools at our disposal. What, what is your favorite tool? I mean, just now that you have talked about AI, I have all more questions <laughs> for you. So just yeah. one last thing, like what, what do you use? What do you like the most? We use a lot of them. I mean, Dolly, of course, is like one of the most popular ones that we use for just like photo generation. But we've been doing a lot right um, recently with Runway, um, which is if you're not familiar with that, it's a video AI system where you can like green screen existing videos and replace the backgrounds and do a lot of different like motion effects. And um, you're able to do a lot of things that you can do in like, say, Photoshop, but on video content. Uh, so video being a really high cost production item, it's been nice to kind of concept with things because as you can imagine in creative studios like ours, we're presenting a lot of different ideas and we need to visualize those to get sign off. So it gets very expensive to concept things, but now we have these tools that our playground has broadened. So 
Uh, Runway AI is one that we definitely recommend. But I mean, there's ones for like hand-drawn animations and you can, you know, hand-draw icons and give you a whole icon set. Like there's there's so many tools that we play with um, that we're, we're still figuring out, right? Like the best way to use all of them. Cool. Yeah, that's a... I, it's funny. We should start talking about AI in these episodes. Cause I feel like every time I talk to somebody, Oh, that's another idea. Oh, there's another idea, you know, in terms of how to use these tools. But anyways, this was, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kara. Um, for those of you listening, you can find Kara on LinkedIn and you can find her company backroom uh, on the internet at backroom.io and apparently TikTok now. So y'all need to look them up. So thanks so much. That's it, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, please tell somebody about the podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Find our other episodes on agencies.build.com. Plus, we're listed anywhere you find your favorite podcast.